Amen. Love you, Brother Nick. God bless you. Amen, son. We ain't even got to the invitation yet, and you're already broken. We got one under conviction up here on the front. Anybody else need to move tonight? Good to be saved, ain't it? Job chapter number 14 tonight. Job in the 14th chapter. I wouldn't, my time here on these Wednesday nights, for however long we do this, I'm not planning on preaching out of Job and all of them, but if that's what God wants, that's what God will get. So tonight we turn to Job. What chapter did I say? No, chapter 2. I was preaching out of 14 last week. I liked that so good last week. I'm going to preach it again. Amen. Y'all pray for me. Lord, I run off and left my reading glasses at the house. Brother Larry gave me these. He's a high-powered. I'm in the book of Job, and I can read Revelation 12 right here through all the pages. Oh, you got me some? Oh, bless the name of God. Y'all bear with me. Would you go give him Brother Larry right? Oh, you picked him up on the way out. Amen. Thank God for a good wife. Amen. All right. Yeah, Job chapter number two is where we're at tonight. Amen. Happy. Somebody say amen right there. Now, I hope you brought your Bible with you to the house of God tonight. And if not, you can share it with your brother, okay? Amen. Job chapter number 2. Let's begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible said, now, when Job's three friends. Now, we could stop right there, but let's read on. Heard of all this evil that was come upon him. They um, was come upon him. They ever one from, came every one from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildab the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite. For they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. Now, I don't see too much comfort in these old boys' hearts. Somebody say amen right there. And to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off, they knew him not. Then they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Let us pray, fathers, we bind your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your touch tonight. And uh, we bless you and praise you, Lord, for being good to us. Now, fathers, we bind your presence. I pray, Lord, that you bless us, Lord. We, I pray for liberty to preach the word of God. Lord, I pray that you bless your precious people. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you'd help me to say everything needs to be said. And I won't say anything that I don't, Father. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated tonight. Now, for years, I have always struggled with Job's friends. And I have always got upset when people said that Job's friends wasn't really his friends. Now the Bible specifically says that they were Job's friends. And every time that I heard somebody criticize Job's friends, I'd always refer back to this text that I've read to you tonight. And I would say they really got to be a friend because they came and they sat down with Job for seven days in sackcloth and in ashes and they didn't say a word and they were there for Job. Now, I love you a lot, but I don't know if I could come and sit down for seven days with you and your grief and never say nothing or do nothing, amen, or, or go that long. I might get fast with you, but man, I really always thought that that was a real sign of friendship. Bop, after five Further study of these men and how they responded to Job and his sufferings, I want to preach on this simple subject tonight. With friends like this, 
Who needs enemies? <laughs> hey man, you started the life of Job. You'll find out that these men really were probably wasn't as uh, the, had as much pity on him or as much comfort as they should have. And I've got four simple truths uh, that I would like to magnify it to you tonight. And uh, by the way, we need to learn to be friends one to another. I told a man today, I said, now look here. He's, he's talking to me about uh, compromising part of his family. And I said, well, uh, that part of your family, they're my friends. I don't agree with them on the subject, but that does not change our friends. Amen. And uh, boy, it, it, it may limit our fellowship, but it doesn't change our friendship. Uh, number one tonight, uh, these are friends who mean well, uh, but do more harm than good. Uh, have you ever had a friend like that? I mean, they come from afar, they sit with you seven days, uh, and they mean well, but they end up doing more harm uh, than good. Uh, neighbor, first of all, we'll find uh, that they had examined Job. Uh, while they got there, they examined it. Matter of fact, when they seen him afar, off. They didn't even recognize him. They knew him not. And when they got there, this ain't Job. He's out of character. This ain't the man we know. He's mourning. He's full of grief. He's hurt. And they really didn't recognize Job. So they examined him. And guess what they came up with? They came up with the fact that he was grieved. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. They, they examined him and they diagnosed him with a broken heart. They diagnosed him with a grieved heart. They diagnosed him up in sufferings. They've examined him up for seven days and all they can come up with at the beginning is Job is grieved. Well, man, that's a no-brainer. Say amen right there. Brother, I'm telling you what, if you couldn't, if you didn't even know Job and you seen Job, you'd have come up with that. Uh, so they've examined him. They've diagnosed him, but they ain't got no help for him. It's just like going to the doctor. And the doctor saying, well, I know what your problem is, but I'm sorry, I can't help you. Hey, man, I don't want to go that kind of doctor to you. Hey, man, I want to go to a, even if it's a terminal illness. I would like to go to a doctor that says, you know what? Hey, man, I don't know if I can help you, but I'm I'm going to try everything I can to get you healed. And these friends have diagnosed Job up with a terminal heartbreak. Brother, here they are with the attitude that Job, he's fell. He ain't going to help nobody else. He ain't never going to get up. He ain't never going to get over this. When the whole time their attitude should have been, you know what, Job, we know you're going through a hard time, but weeping man, you're for a night, but joy cometh in the morning, and a real friend will give you hope that your troubles and your trials and your heart ain't going to last all uh, uh, forever. Say amen right there. They didn't give no hope. Brother, they've examined him. But then they, they, you, you read the Bible, uh, chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible said the words of uh, thy words, they're talking to Job, thy words have holding him up that was failing. Thou hast strengthened the feeble knees, but now it is come upon thee and thou faintest. It toucheth thee and thou art troubled. You know what they did? They expected too much out of him. They said, Job, it's always been you that's helping everybody else. And uh, brethren, those of us that are in leadership positions, hey man, we'll spend our days encouraging other people even when we ain't encouraged in our own hearts. We'll spend our days trying to help somebody else. Amen. But I tell you, the day will come when we need help ourselves. And beloved, we can't expect too much out of somebody like that. Neighbor, it takes time to get over something like what Job went through. Hey, Job, you're a bigger man than this. Why are you sitting in that pile of ashes? Hey, Job, you got more wisdom than this. Why are you acting that way? Hey, Job, you've 
told everybody else how they ought to overcome it and how to have victory and how to have faith in God and how to walk with God and how to stay with God in your hard times. And now you ain't doing what you told everybody else. See, beloved, until, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but until you've been there, we'll brag and brag. Well, I do this and I do that and I'd have done it different. And we may have done it different. <laughs> but neighbor, until you get there, you don't really know what you'd do. Somebody say amen right there. Somebody going through a trial. We can't expect too much out of them. Hey, neighbor, there's got to be a healing time in this molding stage of the eagles as they, as they progress and grow. Hey, man, these seasons, I preached it last week, in the Christian life there's winter, summer, spring and fall amen and we go through times in our lives and Job is in a time of his life of deep grief and deep hurt and deep pain and people's expecting too much out of him amen friends that mean well but to do more harm than good Hey, but, but they're not only, not only the friends that expect too much out of him because hey, man, they, they've examined him and with, uh, with no hope and no help, they've expected too much out of him. Hey, Amen. Then they said in chapter 4, verse number 2, he said, uh, he said if we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? Uh, brother, uh, you know what? They looked at him and basically said, hey, Job, if we talk to you, you're going to get mad at us. Uh, brother, if they were really friends, uh, even if Job would have got mad and would have got hot-headed, uh, they would wouldn't have got mad and shot back. Amen. Some of my best friends, I've seen them go through some hurtful times. And they've even snapped at me and been quick and short. And I knew that wasn't them. I knew that was the hurt talking. I knew that was the bitterness talking. I knew that was the pain talking. Hey, but I tell the now come back around. Up when God stood Job up and God blessed him more in the end than to get a beginning. Hey, Job, hey, man, but then not only did they expect too much out of him, but they, they told of their own experiences. I won't read the text. Hey, man, but you're going over in chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. And and these and, and this first one, Eliphaz, if that's how you pronounce it, he, he goes talking about a vision he had in the night. He goes talking about his hair standing up. Hey, man, he goes talking about basically God came by. And, brother, I mean, and really, it, I don't see where it had much to do with what Job was going through. And let me just say it like this. When our friends are suffering, they don't need to hear about every hard time we've ever had. They don't need to hear about every experience we've ever had. I've been there before, brother. I'm telling you right now, hey, man, go through a trial, whether it be church trouble, family trouble, financial trouble, and then your friends hear about it, and then they want to call or come by and put their two cents worth in, and then they want to tell you about every trial they've ever had, every trouble they've ever had and brother by the time they get done in your heart you don't want to be rude or mean because you know well you know they mean well but they're doing more harm than good and you say man that didn't help me a bit I mean you told me about your dog dying and your cat dying and your tire going flat and your muffler getting all bent up on your car that ain't helping me none right now basically what our friends need is somebody to give them a shoulder to crowd and a ear to listen to. Truth be known, Job would be a whole lot shorter if it wasn't been for his friends. Amen. Just listening to him. 
Can I get an amen? And there'll be a time for the friends to talk. <laughs> amen. The friends. Uh, with friends like this, who needs any enemies? But then, and I'm not going to preach long tonight, I don't think. Amen. But number two tonight, uh, uh, friends who misunderstand you. God, you ever been there? Amen. I, I, I think about Moses when he went to kill that when he killed that Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And it wasn't long that uh, uh, them little toes started poking up through the sand, and that nose and that hair and the, and the fingers of that Egyptian started poking up through the sand. And boy, and they found him out and they ratted Moses out. And the Bible said that Moses supposed that his brethren, hey man, he supposed his brethren is going to appreciate him, but hey man, they didn't appreciate him one bit. Hey man, they they didn't understand him, and I. And I I need to tell you this. If you don't get this, get anything else I appreciate. Your friends ain't always, I don't care how close you are, they ain't always going to understand what you're going through in your life. I mean, they misunderstood it. Now, the main reason that Job's friends misunderstood him is because they had never walked a mile in Job's shoes. Now, there's a crazy fella, and I'm talking about crazy as a bed bug. I mean, so I, I don't put much stock in him. He, he's down in Georgia. And his pastor was almost just as crazy as he was down in Georgia. And uh, I, I heard about one time that the pastor was giving him a hard time. And uh, so the guy decided he's going to go to his pastor. And his pastor was rebuking him left and right. And, and that old boy had a pair of cowboy boots on. And he was sitting on the front row, on the desk right in front of his pastor. And that pastor had a pistol sitting on the desk. And that old boy walked in. That pastor turned that pistol around where it was pointing straight toward him, trying to intimidate him. And that old boy went in there and he listened to what the pastor had to say. And they both about as crazy as each other. And that old boy, man, he sat down in that chair. He took both his boots at the same time. I'd have fell out of the chair if I'd have done that and put both of them up on his desk. And I mean, he slammed them feet down on that desk and them cowboy boots up in that preacher's face. He said, I don't want to hear a word you got to say until you've walked a mile in them shoes. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're saying. Hey, brother, I'm telling you, hey, man, and there's a lot of truth truth in that tonight. Amen. If you ain't never walked in somebody else's shoes, you liable to misunderstand them. Praise God, I'm telling you, I, I ain't never, my wife, her mother passed away, I guess, what, about 21 years ago now? And I never have. I thought about it today. Well, how, how would it affect me if my mama was to die? I guarantee you what would happen. I'd cry like a little baby and cry for my mama like that little boy crying on the front row tonight. I love my mama. I, I, ain't, never, I ain't never lost my mama. And I, I know men that have lost their wives. I don't know what that's like. and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what it's like to, to lose a child to death. I don't want to know what it's like. A good friend of mine lost his wife here a little over a year ago, I guess now. And uh, I went up to him. And and I said, brother, I'm not going to stand here and tell you I know what you're going through because I have never been where you're at. I don't know what it's like to be you right now. And I've never been you and I don't want to be you. And I'm not saying that route. But I said, I want to tell you this. I'm here for you when and if you need me. You can rest assured I'll be praying for you. Hey, man, I tell you what we better be careful of. And until we've walked a mile in their shoes. Hey, man, does anybody know what 
it's like to, be, to, to lose a child. Maybe you have. And you got a baby in heaven. I'm sure all of us know what it's like to be broke. Say amen right there. Not knowing where your next paycheck's going to come from. How you going to pay your bills. I said I'm sure we all know what it's like to be broke. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. And I'll tell you right now. Amen. There's rich people that ain't never been broke. Born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Look down on somebody that ain't got enough money to pay the bills. And a bag you want to know what their problem is? They ain't never walked in a poor man's shoes. They don't know what it is to have to pray work in. They don't know what it is to get on a job and just about cry because God blessed you with a job. They don't know what it is when you get paid off a job and all oh, every 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 pity you get's gone because you're behind. Amen. But yet you rejoice all the way to the bank. And when you get there and you cash the check, you say, Thank you, Jesus. For said they some folk ain't never been there. Amen. They some folk they they don't know what church trouble is. They ain't never been there when people walked out. They ain't never been there when people bit they won to God and loved and baptized and discipled them, get upset for foolish stuff and walk out. They'd never been in them shoes. They don't know what it is sometimes to feel all alone when you're in a room full of people. They don't know what it is. Amen. You can get critical toward depressed people all you want to, but the Bible said Jesus was sorrowful even unto death. Amen to God. I'm telling you right now, I've had to learn the hard way. I've stuck my foot in my mouth a thousand times of talking about people that have never walked in their shoes. Amen to God. I have preached the funerals of people. I've been to the funerals. I've, I've sat down by men. I prayed with a man the other day. I knelt down beside him on an altar in a revival meeting. His wife left him. He's pastoring a church. I mean, I'm talking about she's off in, a, in wicked adultery, wicked perversion, wicked ungodliness. I couldn't stand there and say, hey man, I know what you're going through. No, but I tell you what I did do. I knelt down there and I said, Lord, I said, this old boy's still praying to you and he's still walking with you and he's still got faith in you and Lord I know everything's messed up in his life right now but Lord he's got to be a better Christian than I am and Lord I pray you bless him real good right now. I pray you touch him real good right now. I pray you breathe on him real good right now. Amen. I tell you them Jews brother when Jesus commanded them to walk the extra mile that Roman soldier said he said for Rome, it was a Roman law that they placed on the Jews that if a Roman soldier compelled you they had the miles walked out they knew how many steps was in a mile they had it marked and when they got to the mile they didn't have to go any further and Jesus said go with him twain if you ain't never walked the extra mile with somebody the extra mile with somebody's broken heart somebody's broken family somebody's church trouble somebody's financial trouble then the best thing you can do it's just be there for them. Amen. Yep, man to God. Amen. I tell you, they misunderstood him because they had never been in his shoes. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I can stand up here and tell you there's a lot of things I've never experienced and I don't want to experience. But the things we've learned, oh, the things we've had to learn the hard way, amen. 
I'm talking about the lessons. Oh, wisdom comes, uh, knowledge comes from education, enlightenment, or, or, or understanding comes from enlightenment. But wisdom, that comes from experience, buddy. I mean, you got to go through it to get the wisdom. And if you're going to be praying for wisdom, then you're going to go through some hard times and you're going to learn some things a hard way. Oh, Lord, give me wisdom. How am I going to help somebody else in any kind of trouble they ever been through if I ain't never been through it myself? Oh, uh, you, you know, uh, old brother Mark, old Mark Holbrooks. Boy, I tell you, Sister Susan McGill's brother and brother Tommy Holbrooks' his brother. Man, he, he used to work with us. Boy, we loved him. He loved us. He loved me and Matthew like was his own children. But 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 Mark, he, boy, he had a serious drug problem. He couldn't he couldn't turn loose of it. He'd get off of it and then he'd get back on it. He'd get off of it and get back on it. And man, he'd he'd work with us and we'd get him a place to stay and he'd last a month and blow out and kick out. And I I'd, I'd never been on any hard drugs like that, so I I couldn't. We'd we, you know we'd 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 done the other stuff and never that hard junk. And brother JD, I'm telling you, the old man looked at me one day. We was working, sitting down taking a break, drinking us a cold water. He looked at me and I, the, the sheriff was running. And he said, John, I'm going to tell you the best sheriff they can have in any county. And I said, who's that? He said, it's that old sheriff deputy that's been on the bottom all the time that's got beat up seven or eight times beside some old dope dealer's car that's got about three or four bullet holes in him, but he never did quit on the sheriff. And he never did quit his job. He said, he'll make the best sheriff. I said, you reckon the ones that makes the best pastors is the ones that's got more battle scars than anybody, the ones that make the best Christians and the best preacher's wives and the best preachers and the best singers and the best deacons is that crowd that's got scars all over them that, that fought their battles that stayed with God like old you ride the Hittite and them that was faithful to God and faithful to his cause and faithful to his nation that didn't quit on God that stayed with God Amen and friends are misunderstand because they, they ain't never been their friends. They, they, they ain't been in your shoes, but then they see your countenance. They see your loss. They see your devastation. They see the greed countenance on your face. But they cannot see what's in your heart. Now, I would tell you something. One of the hardest things you'll ever have to do, because the Bible said the heart is deceitful. Our heart will deceive us. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is try to pour your heart out to somebody else. It's hard enough pouring your heart out when you're preaching or when you're singing or when you're teaching Sunday school. But when you're going through something and everybody else is over there saying, suck it up, buttercup, who in the blue John ever invented that or to be shot? Say amen right there. Every time my wife tells me that, I get fired up mad. <laughs> she means well. <laughs> She ain't said it in a long time, but anyways. Uh, they, they see, but they can't see your heart. And then you're going to try to express what's in your heart, and it just comes out all jumbled. Mama, see, look, get up in here with me. There ain't but one person sees your heart. There ain't but one person that can take what you got to say and decipher it just right. And that is God Almighty. I've done my best. Don't pat me on the back. I've done my best to make myself available and open to my wife and children anytime they need me. And when the rubber meets the road, I believe my family knows they can talk to daddy and count on him and not worry about it getting spread out over 411 counties. Say amen right there. But even then, sometimes, 
I don't always. You know, I've been a teenager before. I've been a rebel before. I, I've been there when I thought my parents was foolish and crazy and didn't know what they was talking about before. I've been there when I didn't listen to them. So I can identify. I've been where my children. I'm not saying they think that about me. If y'all do, you better not tell me. Say amen. But brother, I'm telling you, if you really want to talk to somebody that can understand what's going on in your heart, that you better get along with God. Oh, I got a, oh, I got a young preacher right now, buddy. I love him with all my heart. I've done my best. I've done my best to put my arms around young preachers and try to get close to them and be friends to them and love them. I, I really, I mean that. I, I want to be able to, because I had some elder men of God. Brother Sammy Allen took me in as a young preacher. Brother Raines took me in as a young preacher. These elder men of God loved me and took me in, prayed for me and educated, took my wife in and prayed for her, taught her how to be a good preacher's wife and a prayer warrior, taught her how to love God and live for God and to dress and to walk and to talk and all the above. I got a young preacher right now who dropped his standards. They can't understand why people ain't putting their hands on them anymore. And I just want to go get me a hickory and take him out behind the woodshed and give him a good whip and say, boy, you know better than this. And he does. I sent word to him today. I hope, it, I hope his daddy, I, I kind of hoping his daddy quote me. I, sent, I was hoping the word to get sent to him. And old brother John said, what you need to do is spend more time with God than you do anybody else. What you need to do is get on your knees and pray and seek God's face and find God's will and get that thirst and that hunger back in your heart and get it and your wife pray and seek God's face and raise them little bitty old children up for the glory and the grace of God that they could see a spirit-filled mom and a spirit-filled daddy. Amen. Nobody understands. God does. Even if you ain't right, he's able to suffer through every bit of it. Somebody, am I helping anybody tonight? Hey, man, friends like this, who needs any enemies? The friends who misunderstand you. Hey, and now here, here's one. Friends, now get this, friends that say the right things at the wrong time. <laughs> you ever been going through something and somebody come up to you and say something and you're like, man, that was like the dumbest thing you could have said. It's right, but your timing stinks. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the youngest of the three friends later on in the book of Job, do you know what he said? He said, now Job, great men aren't always wise. Well, I read that the other day. I've read it a bunch. I've quoted it while I was preaching down through the years. God said that Job was the greatest man of the East. And then his friends show up and said, now great men aren't always wise. <laughs> Be about like somebody showing up on the job now, now brother John. I know, and I don't know everything about cutting trees or building walls or, or excavating like what we. I don't know everything. Do you know everything about laying tile? There's more to learn, ain't it? I want to keep a teachable spirit. But when a novice shows up that ain't don't even know how to crank a chainsaw, and when they say, "Oh, I can climb a tree," and they put their spikes on the outside of their feet instead of the inside, and they go up there to try to climb. Well, how do you wear these? I thought you knew what you're doing. Well, Dr. Don Green called people like that a bunch of screwball nimkin-poops, amen. <laughs> oh, I can drive a truck. Well, how come you grinding all 18 years? I just put a clutch in it last week. Now I need a whole new truck. You ain't even drove it five miles. I thought you knew what you were doing. Oh, I can cook. 
and the smell of the food make a freight train take a dirt road. Amen to God. Oh, oh, oh buddy. And he said, hey, Job, great men aren't always, we know you're great, but you're not always wise. How would you agree with me that that is right, great men are not always wise? By the time of him telling him that, it's not good timing. I mean, the man just lost ten children. And his wife just told him to curse God and die. And now his three friends show up and they're rebuking the fire out of him. And they're saying truth, but their timing stinks. That's why Paul said in the book of Ephesians that we ought to speak the truth in love. My daddy always told me and my brother, we'd be getting out and we'd be getting rowdy and we'd be in town or over at well, I'm going to have to go back to the 70s and 80s. We'd be down at the Roses or over at the Sky City or sitting at the Pizza Hut down on Spartanburg Highway, not on Four Seasons. Or we'd be somewhere like that and me and Matthew would get rowdy and run around acting like a bunch of heathens and Daddy would say, Boys, there's a time and a place for everything and this ain't the time and this ain't the place. I know this is simple preaching tonight. But I'm telling you what, it's about time we quit trying to wow everybody in our preaching and just put some simple, practical, old cornbread, common sense preaching on the table. I don't want y'all leaving out here patting me on the back saying, wow. Amen. I want you leaving out here saying, God sent something tonight that I can live tomorrow. Amen. They misunderstood him. Amen. These friends said some truth, but the timing stank. <laughs> and and to, to, to make matters worse, they wouldn't shut up. Now let me prove it to you from the Bible that they would not shut up. Take your Bible to chapter number 34. Chapter 34, when you find your place, say amen. Verse number one, the Bible said, furthermore. You see that? Furthermore. Elihu answered and said, chapter 35, verse number one. Elihu, Elihu spake moreover and said, chapter 36, verse one. Elihu also proceeded and said, couldn't get him shut up for nothing. He just kept on talking and kept on talking and kept on talking and kept on talking. I'm talking about he wouldn't hush his mouth. Amen. But then, then nextly, and I, and I'm, I promise you I ain't going to preach long tonight. I, I believe it doesn't preach the burden of my heart. Friends like this, who needs any enemies? Friends that, that uh, mean well but do more harm than good. Friends that misunderstand you because they've never been in your shoes. Thirdly tonight, friends who get mad at you during, the time, during times of suffering and trials. Chapter number 32. Read what your Bible says. Chapter number 32, verse number 2. The Bible said, Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Bar, called the Buzite uh, of the kindred of Ram, against Job. Can I put it in terms we'd maybe identify with more? He got mad at Job. I mean, why in the world would you want to get mad at somebody 
that's going through what Job's going through. Can you agree with me? With friends like this, who needs any enemies? Hey, all you enemies that hate my God, you want to see me die. Y'all take a break today, my friends are here. <laughs> and I will grant you this, those men love Job. I will grant you this, they were really trying. But they were wrong. They, they got mad at him. There was a lot of rebuking. You know, I, I looked at it, I looked up the word prayer, pray, prayed, supplication. I looked it all up today. And I can't find one time where these men ever stopped and prayed for Job. For real. Now, I know the group of people I'm with tonight. And I know you people well enough to know. If you reach out to me, or if I reach out to you, and there is trouble, what's a, hey, we, we, we may talk a little while about it. We say, hey, let, well, what, what's going on? What can I do? But it ain't going to be long. Now, JP, you could, you, could, you could stand up and testify against me tonight if you want to, and rebuke me for lying if what I'm fixing to say is, is false. It ain't going to be long that one of us is going to be getting on our knees and we're going to be talking to God about you. But I can't find anywhere where these three friends ever said, whoa, wait a minute. This is getting heated. Well, we came to help you, Job. We didn't come to argue with you. We didn't come to rebuke you. We didn't come to reprove you. We didn't come to correct you. We came here to comfort you. But no, no, they kept on and on and on and on and on and on. And they never prayed for him. Do you know? Yes. My wife is here tonight. and I, I don't mean to put her up on a pedestal. I love my bride. And there are. I've, part of my ministry is it, with my family. And my wife has always, always had a heart. I mean a heart for the young ladies. And, you know, sometimes they'll reach out to her. Sister Stacy, I need help. Can we talk? And when they're doing, I find out about it. Sometimes I say, well, what's, what's the problem? You know what my wife would tell me? She said, well, I talked to him in confidence. And if I felt like it was something detrimental that you really needed to know, and I'll tell you if you make me, but I just soon not. You know what? I'm going to respect that. I know. Because the times I've made her tell me, by the time she got done unto the Lord, I wished I'd have never. Can I get an amen right there? I've learned the hard way when my wife says you don't want to know. I don't want to know. But she's come to me time and time and time again. Honey, we need to pray for so and so. But you know what? They've been a few times, Brother Nick, that we've been on that other end. And we needed people praying for us. Job's friends never prayed for him. Boy, that's a crying shame, ain't it? Lots of rebuking. Once they start, yeah, the, the compassion, seven days. Yeah, I'm going to sit in the ashes with you. I mean, I'm not a mechanic, but if I'm anywhere around and your motor blows up in your truck, I'll, I'll come hook a chain to it and pull you to the house. If I need to stand around and have prayer with you, if you, 
you, your tile job blows all to pieces and every piece of tile you put up falls to the ground when you get done. Wow, I got to start over. <laughs> so if I'm standing there and the tree goes the wrong way, JP puts his arm around me. Well, it'll be all right, Daddy. Shut up, boy. I don't want to hear that right now. No, we ain't probably never had that happen too much. Say amen right there. But you know, it's really, after they started talking, they didn't have much pity on him. They weren't. And there is a time. Now get me up here. There's a time for the harsh rebuke. There's a time for, I'm talking about a man suffering. I ain't talking about somebody backslid as a billy goat that needs to be reproved or rebuked. But once, if, and if that is the case, and once the reproof and the rebuke goes on, then that ministry of reconciliation needs to take over. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. But not only these friends that got mad at him, but then in chapter 42, verse number 7, let me read you this verse. Let me read you this. Let me find it. I don't typically flip through my Bible while I'm preaching, but I guess you're going to get it tonight. Chapter 42, verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee. God's telling him, I'm upset with you. And against thy two friends, for you have not spoken to me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Friends that misrepresent God. They misrepresented God to Job. In, in, one, in one case, they said, they, earlier here in our chapter, in our book tonight, they said, uh, I, I, I can't find it, but they said, uh, oh, here it is. Behold, happy is the man. Here, here Job going through a trial, and this is what they said, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. They're telling this to Job. Job, God's whooping you. Job, God's beating the fire out of you right now. They didn't know that. Neighbor, I'm going to tell you, you better be careful walking up to somebody and say, hey, God's whooping you. Because, I mean, my, my children, I, of course, I, it's been a while since any of them got a whip, and they're all three due for one, but... I love my children. They know I'm just kidding. But I didn't I didn't allow one youngin to laugh at another youngin for getting a whooping. They'd get a whipping. I'm putting up with this junk. Tell me how to discipline my children. And if I was whooping Lydia, and if I was whooping Elizabeth, or if I was whooping JP, the other two didn't have to tell me he needs a whooping. Because he was, or he or she was getting one. And when God, so I just don't know if God's whooping me. Well, then chances are he probably ain't. Because it's just like when Daddy whoops you, you ain't got to ask nobody. How many of y'all ever got a good old-fashioned rear end whooping? Raise your hand. I mean, I mean a blister. I mean, some of you haven't had. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna move right on. Okay. Uh, you can only imagine, okay? Nobody had to tell you you was getting your tail busted, did they? Not in there one time. And hey, Job, God's whooping you. God wasn't whooping Job. This wasn't chastisement. 
God's the one that said he was perfect and upright and feared God and eschewed evil. They misrepresented God to Job. Sometimes our friends may mean well, but they'll misrepresent God. Lastly, and I'm done tonight. Andrew, if you don't need to pray, you won't come place an invitation. Lastly, and I'm done tonight. Jesus is a real friend. He's a friend that loveth at all times. I mean, even when I'm good, even when I'm bad, He loves me at all times. Jesus is a friend that leads us by His love. Yeah, there's a part of me that fears God and I don't want God to whip me or chastise me. But I follow Him because He loves me. I mean, He really does. And then lastly, the Bible said in John 15, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We're standing all over the building. If you need to pray, you come and pray. Some are already coming. You want to find yourself a place in this altar tonight. Let's talk to the Lord. I'm confident God sent a message to somebody tonight. Ain't not narrow one doubt in my mind. Our fathers are bound your wonderful presence tonight. I thank you for your goodness, your grace. Thank you, Lord, for I know it's been scattered tonight, Lord. But I believe I preached what you put on my heart. I pray for wisdom, I pray for discernment, and I pray for direction. I pray for the Mountain Valley Baptist Church, every family represented here tonight, Brother Nick, McKenzie, and the boys, J.D. and his wife and the boy, Lord, Andrew and Maddie, Brother Larry and his bride, James, his family, my family here tonight. God bless us. Breathe on us. Help us to follow you because we love you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.